Guys, the weather's getting warmer, so say goodbye to your jackets and sweaters and say hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe, so luckily I found Quince. And now I've got a beautiful lineup of timeless pieces that's going to keep me looking chic and fabulous year after year. I love their premium European linen dresses. You guys, this is what everybody's wearing. This is quiet luxury. I got these incredible blouses and shorts from $30. Also washable silk tops. Are you kidding me? You know I like my silk tops. So I got one in lavender and blue. I absolutely love them. You'll see them on the show. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with factories, Quince cuts out the middleman and gives the savings to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash juicy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash juicy to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash juicy. Heather McDonald has got the juicy scoop. When you're on the road, when you're on the go, Juicy Scoop is the show to know. She talks Hollywood tales, her real-life mister, segment serial data, and serial sister. You'll be addicted and addicted fast to the number one tabloid real-life podcast. Listen in, listen up. Woo-woo. Heather McDonald. Juicy Scoop. Hello and welcome to Juicy Scoop. Well, I am back in my Woodland Hills studio. I am giving you all the scoop that's happened. Some of it I talked about it during the shows. Last week, I did a really great Patreon where I covered some of it, but more and more Juicy Scoop has come out. I just want to cover it all. For all of you who came to my shows, wow, what a couple weeks I've had being away. It's about the longest I've ever been away. It is by far the longest I've ever been away from home, all in one long stretch, because I went to Irvine, where I performed stand-up four shows and then did a live Juicy Scoop, which was super fun, with Brandy and Julie. And then the next day, I flew to New York. Thank you for everybody that watched me on Watch What Happens Live. I It was fun. It was fun. I talked about it on my Patreon um, I hope I get asked back because now I kind of really understand the rhythm of the show and how it works. And, um, but it, you know, I was, I had a great time. I was with Jeff Lewis and Andy was very nice. And I brought him a Barbie of himself that actually really looked like him and his two kids. And then I was off. I recorded a great episode with Carol in person from Real Housewives of New York, which that really turned into explosive stuff because she revealed that um, from that episode, as you know, she revealed that Michael Cohen, former attorney for Donald Trump, came up to her about six months ago and said, I'm the one who took the picture of Tom, Luann's Tom, the infamous, it's not about Tom, is it, photo. It was I who was told to do that and deliver it to Bethany through her former uh, fiance Dennis. So that got a lot of press going on while I'm traveling around. Then I interviewed Aaron from Real Housewives of New York. I'm going to get into that latest show, the latest episode of that new series with the young new girls in New York. And um, and then what else did I do? Oh, I was a guest on a show out and about, if you want to see that. Um, I didn't love the angle they got me at. You know what? Listen, I do have a good side and this is it. 
Straight ahead as you're watching is okay. But to the side, just like Sheena Shea and Tori Spelling, I have a good side. And sometimes people film me and I'm like, mm, not my great side. But people like that interview. It was just a very busy time. Then I got on the road and did three shows with Chris Frangiola. We did stand-up and traveling with him and driving around. It was exhausting, but it was so fun. So to everyone that came to those shows, I appreciate you. And then I spent a, almost a how many nights? Five or six nights in the Hamptons staying with my friend Lisa. And I really got to experience the Hamptons. Like, I never really realized how spread out it was, how attractive everyone was. I mean, it never was crowded. It was never hot. It really felt like I was on a movie set. It really felt like I was not in Earth. I, mean, I went to all the places, the West Hampton, the South Hampton. Um, we went to Montauk. We went to Amagansett. Like, went to all these cute places. I'm going to get more into the details when I have like my phone, my phone in front of me to really describe every place I went and the food and, and what I noticed and the shops and everything. But I thoroughly had a great time hanging out with my girlfriends. I got to see Jill Zarin and Gary, went out to lunch with Luann. Then I did my show, my live show, and Hannah Burner joined me. She was so fun to hang out with. We got drinks after. And then I was a little bit scared that I wasn't going to be able to come back to L.A. because I come out from doing the show and everybody's like, oh, you know, a hurricane is hitting Southern California. And I'm like, what? What are you, hurricane? What are you talking about? So then I, my flight wasn't till Saturday at 8 p.m. So I checked it in the morning and it's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Everybody I talked to is like, no, I don't know. I guess it's going to be fine. I'm like, aren't you guys worried? The news is saying that like, this is the end. So I had a whole day free. So I call up Luann. Luann picks me up in her convertible. We went to her gorgeous house, which is right in Sag Harbor. It was featured in the show many times. Um, I'm like, I walked into the kitchen. I go, oh my God, is this the kitchen where Carol met Chef Adam? And she's like, yeah, this is where it is. And I'm like, oh my God. So then we go on the boat. I'm like, I didn't realize when I see you on your boat that like you're the one who has the boat and you're driving it. She's like, oh yes, darling. And um, so she took me on her boat. I mean, it was just her place is great. It's so nice. So charming. Her daughter was there who's an artist and she's doing um, prints that you can wear of her actual art, like clothing and t-shirts and stuff. That was really cool. She's beautiful. And we gossiped a lot and talked a lot. That will, you know, believe me, I'm taking notes for all that, but there's so many hot topics I have to get through. Made it home okay, and then yesterday was just rain all day. Sunday was rain all day. Um, we also had a little earthquake. So um, I really felt like the world was ending, but not really. It wasn't too bad. But we are fine. Our houses are fine, and um, but I know a lot of other people are suffering. So especially in Mexico, it was very bizarre. Never does it rain in August in L.A., so it was a weird um, situation. So I hope everybody is doing okay. Of course, we're also praying for Maui. That whole thing is a disaster. And um, like, I'm going to talk about that later in the week too, or on Patreon, because it's, there's some very interesting things about what's going on in there um, that I think happened. But let me talk about the fun stuff that you know Juicy Scoop for. Um, so this Reality reckoning that Bethany Frankel has, I guess, coined along with, I think she coined something, um, she likes to coin a lot of things. Um, content for the people is the new thing she talked about. So listen, 
Bethany had a very great week in the podcast world. She got Raquel, Rachel Raquel, born Rachel, then was Raquel, is now back to Rachel. We're going to call her Rachel, okay? Rachel. So Rachel did the interview and oh my God, she's, you know, on there. Now, let me just say, if you were looking for some real juice, you didn't get it coming from Rachel. You were just going to get frustrated by this interview because if you watch the shows, which I know you did, and you followed it because you're a juicy scooper, it was very frustrating to have the host of a show, Bethany, downplay what she did or sympathize. And it was also, I didn't feel that she really was taking um, responsibility for what she did, which is have a covert secret affair behind her best friend, who she said was her best friend at the time. There's there's audio and, and podcasts of her saying that Ariana and Sheena are her two best friends on the show. Now, you know, all these months later, she tries to say, oh, that wasn't true. So I'm going to go through all the things that made you guys frustrated. But if she was to go on a show, which first of all, what I think she should have done is, I said it before, what she should have done is taken the money from Vanderpump Rules and Bravo and gone back, but had these one-on-one interviews with each cast member in a safer place so that she wasn't going to get verbally attacked like she did on the reunion, which she did. She did. But most of that came from Ariana, which if you if you had the moment, if you had an opportunity to go to your best friend who you thought was your best friend who was sleeping with your boyfriend for seven months and you got to tell her what you felt three weeks, okay, three weeks after you found out, I think what you would say is something very similar to what Ariana said. So... The fact that it was filmed, this is what it is. It's a reality show. It's a reunion. And, you know, had they filmed the reunion six months after, I don't think Ariana would have felt that kind of venom and, you know, feelings. I don't because time does heal all wounds or at least the wound gets a lot better. We all know that. You, you, feel, you feel less. You're not as angry. Like all of that. But this was very soon after. So... With that being said, um, the things that that I think she should have done is either done that and negotiated a really big price for being on the show and, you know, getting to face these people and really giving, uh, if she truly is remorseful, which I don't know if she is, but really showing her remorse and like, how can we grow from this? If If she decided I don't ever want to go back on reality TV, which is what she said in this interview, that's fine. My other advice is, I would have held back for a year and I would have written the book that we all want to hear, which is the things I would have asked if she would have come on here, which would have been like, tell us, was there ever a time that you almost got caught? Was there, what happened? When, did you let your mother know? Did a best friend that wasn't on the show know that you were seeing him? Like, that's the book that if she wrote that book, and got really raw about the whole experience from the moment he flirted with her, from the moment she took that step, why she took that step, what he told her, what she believed was going to happen, um, how she justified it in her brain, how she maybe wanted to be a sister wife with Ariana. Like, if if that was the book that she wrote with a helper or whatever, who cares, that would have made a shit ton of money. And she should have got on it <clears throat> 
right away or even waited a year to have it come out. But like, it has to be that. It has to be stuff that we didn't hear. Now she goes on this show. She says, I'm going to have my own podcast. And it's going to be, I guess, about other women coming forward and being like, I was the other woman. Now, could that be kind of juicy? Maybe. I don't know that she's, I don't know if we'll get tired of it. I don't know if people will want to go hear her interview these people. I don't know if it's about a sympathy thing. There are shows and there are uh, social media personalities that are like proud sugar babies in which their their boyfriend that's giving them um, purses and money to sleep with him. They know this guy has a family, but they're like, who cares? He's a big fat loser and I don't have to work at the restaurant anymore if I blow him on a Tuesday. Like there's those kind of girls and that's a whole nother kind of feminism in my opinion and go for it. Um, and then there's the ones that I don't think there's a lot of sympathy for where it's like, yeah, I was sleeping with my sister's husband for for a year and a half. If it's anonymous, and so I don't know, it could be. I do want to know what these people think. I do want to know what goes in these people's heads. I think Raquel should tell her story first. Also, if if Bethany really wanted to help her, I think Bethany should have said, "No, you should have a podcast. I'll be your first guest, and." You'll tell your story on your own show so that that way you get that big boost being this is the first time I'm talking on my own show. Anyone that's in this business would know that would be the smartest thing to do if you truly cared about Rachel, okay? Raquel, Rachel. I'm just going to call her Rachel. It's too hard to come up with my weird combo name. Um, so, uh, so it was just very frustrating for people to hear because – I'm going to go through everything. So it was done in three parts. There was, they were 30 minute episodes about, they had 12 ads in each. Some, I, you know, forgive me for the person that did the work. I can't give them credit. Um, went through, they believe that there's already been about over 200,000 in ad revenue um, for Bethany. I did a TikTok of like, well, clearly you're paying her because the whole thing is that you are saying there should be a reality show reckoning and there should be a there should be lawsuits and there should be a union that protects the future um productions of reality shows that's a whole nother thing so i was like well then clearly then if you're this girl's coming on your show you're going to compensate her somehow and you should be wanting to compensate her in the way that you say reality shows should be compensated residuals um the, the time, the, the one-time fee, the fees covering things in the future, all of that, which is what SAG currently has for actors that do regular shows. Now, I could go, I could just talk for so long about this, but um, Bethany is now saying, you don't know if I paid her or not. You don't know what our deal was, and I don't need to tell you. Um, but initially it was she didn't get paid. This is what I truly think. I do think that she probably got a check, probably between 10 and 20 grand for Bethany to come and interview her. Unfortunately, that's where it ends. I don't think she got a back end of the deal. I don't think if, you know, people next week, people obviously won't be listening like they did before. But maybe in four months, if something super juicy happens, they might go back and listen to it like, oh, my God, let me go back and listen to that and see if there's a hint or who knows. Would she get any money, more money? Three months from now? No, she won't. This is it. So I think Bethany doesn't want to admit that she did pay her an appearance fee um, because now people know still that's 
peanuts to what she gained from it. What she gained from it is that people went and listened to her podcast and it and it did well and she did make a lot of money and a lot of people listened to it and it was a juicy thing to talk about it and I enjoyed talking about it and I think that um where it'll be in the future I don't know and I don't care it doesn't affect how many people listen to juicy scoop it's completely fine um that she was number 1 or whatever but I mean yeah, I did I did some reels and some TikToks about it because with my initial thought, I was like, I just I have so many thoughts and I don't know that I'll get through them all. Um, but I'll just go through each cast member and what, you know, kind of what she said and why it was frustrating. Also, the fact okay, the best part was Bethany crying over. She brought brought her to tears. First of all, she said, I flew all the way to Arizona. I do that for nobody. I left my beautiful home in Sag Harbor and got on a plane and came to, you know, disgusting hot Arizona. I did that for you. And the only reason I did it is because you asked to come on my show because I'm so fabulous. And because, and then she goes, yeah, my mom loves you. So then I guess she came and she brought her lit up just be sign and she had somebody put it up for her and sets up the situation and then interviews her. Like I said, no juicy questions were asked. No hard questions were asked. She very much was on Raquel's side because she is putting out the case for that Raquel and like many other um, reality show uh, contestants and, and people have been wronged by these production companies and networks and abused and humiliated and all this stuff on TV. A lot of people felt she, that Bethany of all people should not be the one that's at the realm of this crusade being that she is very hypocritical but also because she has treated so many cast members absolutely horrible to their face saying the most cruelest below the belt awful things and some people that are way more talented than I am as far as putting clips together have put together clips proving this and um so we all know that she said awful things. Nobody put a gun to Bethany's head and said, go be an awful person and tell this person that they sound like a drag queen and that they're a slut and they're a dum-dum and they're Humpty Dumpty. Nobody told her to say that. That was all Bethany. And it was entertaining for us to watch as viewers. Now that she has burned the bridge, Bethany, and she chose to light that bridge, okay, and the reason why, then I'm going to get into the details of the show because I'm just, you know, it's a lot for me to cover. I know why Bethany is doing this. It's because she, in my opinion, she did pitch a handful of shows to Bravo and other networks in the last year or two. That involved basically the Real Housewives. But it's women in this town. It's women in this town. But maybe they have a little different thing. Maybe they're just moms. Maybe they're whatever. She was putting them together. None of them went for whatever reason, whether she pulled out or they said no, they weren't going. Then there was this moment on Just Like That, okay? When, and I'm going to get into Just Like That at the end of the show, when the realtor, I think her name is Seema, the realtor says, why did you never go to the Hamptons or something? And she says, and, you know, Sarah Jessica Parker goes, oh, I don't know why. And she goes, was it Bethany Frankel? And they laugh. And this got brought up to Bethany Frankel when she did a couple interviews um, to promote, I think, her mocktail in which she partnered with some woman that already had the company. And 
they're like, oh, how did that make you feel? And she's like, um, it maybe it is kind of hurtful. I, I know Sarah Jessica Parker. I know um, Michael Patrick King who created the show. I don't know why they would say that, but maybe I should be flattered that they're talking about me. But you could tell like she was a little bit hurt by it, in my opinion. And of course, Andy Cohen is best friends with Sarah Je Jessica Parker. I think it was very shortly after that, because that was only like a month or so ago, that then all this stuff happened. And I think it was that light bulb moment for Bethany that she was like, fuck them. How dare they, you know, and I think she also realized they're done with me, okay? My time of rising and getting all these different TV shows going, they've all dried up either because of they weren't popular or COVID or whatever deals dry up. She had nothing cooking. She had no other TV shows on as she would say, she makes all these analogies on the stove. So she turned off the stove and she put away the pans and she got a toaster oven and she made her own fucking thing. Okay, I don't know. But like, basically, I think at that point she was like, fuck it. You know what? I'm, I'm done trying. I'm done with being on TV. I know, I'm, I, I know I'm done with being on TV and I don't care. And I'm going to make do my own thing. And she, that's what she's saying. Content for the people content for the people. I'm going to just give it for the people. The people are dying for it. I'm going to give it to them. And I'm going to do it like a lot of us are, myself included, just on social media, podcasting, and YouTube. That's it because I don't care because I don't think they're going to come a knocking. So I don't care what I say. I'm a little bit in that position as well. So I can relate to her on that level. Guys, the weather's getting warmer. So say goodbye to your jackets and sweaters and say hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe, so luckily I found Quince, and now I've got a beautiful lineup of timeless pieces that's going to keep me looking chic and fabulous year after year. I love their premium European linen dresses. You guys, this is what everybody's wearing. This is quiet luxury. I got these incredible blouses and shorts from $30. Also, washable silk tops. Are you kidding me? You know I like my silk tops. So I got one in lavender and blue. I absolutely love them. You'll see them on the show. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with factories, Quince cuts out the middleman and gives the savings to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash juicy for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash juicy to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash juicy. But where I think it's inauthentic and hypocritical is that she's like, oh, I'm going to really fuck you hard because now I'm going to point out that you guys shouldn't even be able to have these shows basically because and the thing that it kind of backfired is that the people that care about these shows that watch Vanderpump that talk about them um with our own little media here myself included that love the shows we're not going to be on your side we don't want them to strike we don't want them to stop. We don't want Jax Taylor jumping out of his pool in Valley Village to stop filming and joining you. We don't want it. We also don't want it to change so much that there isn't that they do protect their own lives. One of the things she's saying is like, you know, that someone has to film after a loved one dies or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, that is part of what you sign up for in your life. You know, you might sign up for the show and and you might fall in love on the show and you might have a great thing. 
I mean, look look at Kim Zolciak, okay? She was on the show. She was having an affair with a married man. She didn't care. She didn't try to hide it. She met her husband, Croy, on the show at this, like, Dancing with the Stars charity event. They get married. They have all these kids. They have their own show. It all turned out beautifully for her until about a month ago when they were, like, filing for divorce. And the cameras weren't filming that. And mostly they were probably getting divorced because the cameras did stop and they couldn't afford it. So there's so many places, different ways to look at it. But the point is, yeah, you're selling your soul to the devil if you agree to allow your whole life to be on reality TV. Because you don't know what's going to come tomorrow. It could You could meet your husband and, and have a wonderful experience. I mean, like Brittany, who married Jax, she met him. Then she got on the show. Then she was hurt, but then they got married. She has a beautiful child now. Now they're back on the show. So I'm saying, like, it's really hard to just say that it's all bad. And there is no evidence of a, a producer saying, please go have an affair with Tom Sandoval, Raquel, so that the show can be saved. Or, you know, she knows that he said it. There's a producer saying, Tom, go hit on Raquel. Have a seven-month covert affair. This is what's going to save the show for all of us. And then you'll all get money and have more opportunities after. And then we'll burn, you know, Raquel at the stake with an A around her throat. I mean, that wasn't the case. So I just don't feel like all these things really make sense. So then there's these two lawyers and, and they're saying exclusive TMZ. NBC and Bravo reality stars demand right demand their right to speak about what happened while they were reality stars, um, which means we want to them to release NBC to release the N, our NDAs of talking about it. Okay, well, who are these people? Who are these 60 people that Bethany says has DM'd her and have gotten behind her? It's not Spencer and Heidi. They did a video saying, not us. We will be on any reality show you want. I don't think it's Paige. I don't, I mean, who, Paige is like, why are you talking about me? Like, she's on Summer House and stuff. So who are they? Can I just have one other person um, besides the one guy from Love is Blind? Is there anybody else that's like 100% get me out of, get me out of my NDA. I'm going to fucking blow up this bridge with Bethany Frankel and you're going to hear the most horrific story of how I was abused and how I was that like they're really I just don't think there is anything so and the thing is these people reality stars they are replaceable they are if a show runs its course or if they feel people have run its course they replace them with new cast members or they just get rid of the show altogether and then new shows begin um the difference between Writers Guild and SAG is that when these guilds were started, these people really, you know, had the talent, had the scripts, had to, and they fought to get it. And the actors, you know, at the time, there was only a small group of actors and they banded together. And so they had a unit. So I don't see, I just don't see how it's going to work. I'm not saying it shouldn't. I just think it'll be an extremely challenging endeavor. If... There isn't a union. Maybe going forward, certain production companies may tout themselves as production companies that are, um, you know, reality show friendly. We support our people. We we want your we want you because come to our show because we will do all these things and we will give you health insurance. And I mean, maybe it'll spark some production companies and networks just to step it up 
for their people and their people who are actually producing it and holding the cameras that they have their proper breaks and everything. But I think it's going to be a real challenge um, to do. And I think the lawsuit's going to be a real challenge because to go retroactive and be like, um, hi, I was on a show 13 years ago. I was, hi, I was on Rock of Love 13 years ago. And um, they made me look like a real slut. And since then, I've had a hard time like dating people. So um, yeah, I'd like to sue because um, they made me say something that I didn't really want to say on camera. And it wasn't real. I mean, it just... I don't know. I think this is a big publicity thing for everybody involved. Okay, now let me just get to the interview real quick. A couple things that bothered me the most is, a couple juicy things is, um, she in, she insinuated that Sheena was, wrote a narrative that Sheena was pretending to be her big sister. And they really weren't that close. And that she let her stay in her apartment for free, but she actually did pay a little bit of rent. And she agreed to watch um, Sheena's cat, who had like mercury poisoning or something or was taking mercury iodine pills and Sheena being that she was breastfeeding didn't want to be around the cat and so you know they really weren't that close and all that they they were close they were very close so she says that and then she also brings up the fact that she you know was assaulted even though she dropped the restraining order um she says that she offered Tom after they broke up an apartment to her key when she went she offered a key to her apartment that Tom could stay at her apartment while she went back to Arizona after the affair broke. And he chose not to take it and is still living with um, Ariana. So then she was insinuating like maybe they were in cahoots the whole time, which makes no sense. And that she also poked holes at like the fact that the way it was found out with the phone falling out and then someone handing the phone to Ariana and her having an instinct to look at the camera roll and seeing that, you know, evidence that they were intimate with each other, that that was maybe not how it happened. Why didn't he change his passcode? If, you know, like, please, we were having an affair for seven months and he knew that I was going to send him a masturbating video. Why didn't he change his passcode before he went on stage? Hmm. Hmm. It was very, I mean, come on. Um, the dog... She explained the dog situation, and then she said she wasn't happy that the dog went back to Graham, and that Graham is the one that got him to start biting because Graham encouraged him to bite his own hand, and he liked that feeling. So then I'm like, is she insinuating that Graham is into some, like, SM bestiality stuff? And she said a lot of really shitty things about people. She also said that Lala stole her home, stole the home that Lala bought from Brock, that Brock wanted that house, she and his husband. And that Lala stole it out from under him. When that's not at all the case, Brock and Sheena were so excited that the house next door to them in Palm Springs was available that Brock went over and, you know, talked to the realtor face to face to say, like, I have a great friend that wants this house, called Lala. Like, he, she made it sound like that final that scene with Kyle and um, Kim, vintage Real Housewives of Beverly Hills when Kim's like, you stole my goddamn house! Also from Palm Springs. So I'm like, has she been sitting in this mental facility watching old Bravo um, housewife shows and now like think taking storylines from other people and putting it for himself? So now Lala was the Kyle in the situation? Like, just very weird. Um, she, you know, she's like, you were crying. Bethany goes, you were crying. And Andy never offered you a tissue, but he did offer Ariana one. Like, is that going to be part of this stupid lawsuit? Like, it's crazy. So, um, uh, so I mean, that's that's about it. Like, I 
I thought she could. I mentioned in my my TikTok she should have a show um, with girls coming forward. But really what I think is I still think there's a there's a place for that book, but I think she missed the window of really, really telling the truth. I think people now are so annoyed by her that they wouldn't even want to hear her story, even if she's being raw. If she'd gone away for a year and then come with a real raw story, along with all the juicy details, but with some real remorse behind it, but giving us those juicy details, that is where she would have made the real money. Um, I don't think her podcast will be successful. Um even if she got the most famous side pieces around the world to to be her co-host, I don't. I just don't think it's going to be successful at this time in 2023, and everything that has gone down. Um, meanwhile, um, oh, here she said right here. Sorry, Raquel said that Andy Cohen. She puts him on blast, saying that he that he violated HIPAA laws by saying she was on something. Now, this was a very weird thing. Because she said, well, I was on something. I take antidepressants or something. Andy, I believe, said like on his own radio show, I don't know. She seemed like she might be on something. That's not violating HIPAA laws. If he would have said, well, I know for a fact that through production, um, because we made them write down every prescription pill they take, I know that she takes this antidepressant, and that then that would be violating HIPAA laws. But not saying, I don't know, it seemed like she might have been on something. That's not a HIPAA violation. So Andy and none of them are even addressing any of this. They do not want to fuel the fire. They don't want more page six articles about it. They'd probably prefer if I wasn't speaking about it, but I don't work for Bravo. So um, there you go. Meanwhile, Britney Spears and Sam announced over the weekend that they're getting divorced. And she is going to get hot chicken wings. They got photos of her. And she was out with a bunch of guys in another weird dress. And one guy's like licking her legs. And she, they're carrying her. And she's like, I'm having a great time. I just wish that Britney had some girlfriends. I'm not saying these guys are bad guys. I just kind of feel like one guy is like, oh, my God, come on over. We are hanging out with our girl, Brittany, and we're going to do some videos that 40 million people will watch. And it just didn't feel like they were in the right, really thinking about her and what she should be doing right now. Um, now, now there's lots of talk about this divorce. So let me just break down the divorce for you guys. So the, he basically, Sam, did a post saying like, hey, shit happens. He wrote ridiculous, spelled it wrong. Now I'm a horrible speller, but I did think he spelled he spelled ridiculous, R-E-diculous. But he also came here when he was 12 from Iran. So I don't want to criticize. So some people were talking about that, that he wrote it. Also, he's getting divorced. Give him a minute. Um, and he just said, yeah, you know, it didn't work out. Shit happens. Whatever. Then she got Laura Wasserman, who's a huge uh, divorce attorney, is working for Kevin Costner. He had a prenup, and there was a bunch of articles about, like, is he going to fight that prenup? Is he going to walk away with nothing? And then the biggest scandal was that there was a person that came forward that's like, I went to this gym. He was at this gym. It was a very misogynistic gym. There's some shady stories, allegedly, about this particular gym. And he was constantly flirting with me and asking me to, um, you know, do sexual stuff with him while he was dating Britney Spears these past seven years. Um, 
So I don't know if there's any real evidence of him cheating, but he also accused Brittany of cheating. He said she cheated with someone on staff, someone who would take her videos. This guy, Cade Hudson, not Kate, Cade Hudson. He used to be an agent, William Morris. He got in some trouble. Um, some accusations were thrown allegedly about him um, soliciting young men sexually. He was her her manager. They've been on trips together. Um, it looks like very much like he's sexually interested in her, which he could be. He could be bi or whatever. I don't know if he's insinuating that that's who she's had an affair with or what. Um, Jason Alexander, not from Seinfeld, her first husband, he's done some interviews that I've listened to. And he said kind of an explosive thing, allegedly, that he um, – I'm just saying this is what he said, so I don't have to say allegedly. He said on the on the podcast that when they were hanging out and right before or after they got married, they were only married for 72 hours, they were in Vegas, and he walked in on what he his eyes told him he, she was having an orgy with some of her gay and straight dancers, guys, girls, whatever. So I don't know if – and he then said, I think Sam's not good for her, and I think Sam's gay. Meanwhile, there's people, girls saying, no, Sam is straight and hitting on me. Sam is saying Brittany cheated. Maybe he got that idea from this Jason Alexander. I don't know. I never even thought the marriage was real, but I guess it really was because there was a whole bunch of people saying there isn't a um, marriage certificate. But no, I guess it was a real marriage that really happened between the two of them that is now ending. Um, I will say this in defense of this guy, Sam. I don't think it's easy. I know it's not easy to be a friend to, a mother to, a sister to, or a boyfriend, girlfriend, lover, spouse to someone that definitely has mental illness. And we know that she does. And, you know, as fun as she is and as talented she is, we know that she has issues. And, you know, it's genetic in her family. She's been on medication. She's been off of medication. Her medication has changed. She's been in this horrible conservatorship, which absolutely wasn't right. The, the you know, the lack of freedom that she had was not good. But one thing I always noticed is prior to the Free Britney movement in which the fans be started, Sam was there for like a solid five and a half, six years before it ever began as her steady boyfriend. But he never spoke about it. He never was like, you know what's fucking bullshit is that my girlfriend's parents won't let her drive a car or get a cup of coffee or like, you know, leave when she wants to leave. He never said it. And then as it was coming to a, an end and the finish line was there that this conservatorship was going to be taken away, only then did Sam start to say, finally, yeah, the dad's a dick. Finally, this is happening. So I think he was cooperating with the family as a boyfriend. I think like a lot of boyfriends, he may have had a wandering eye. He may have even cheated on her, but he was attentive enough that she agreed to marry him. And like a lot of marriages, um, whether you're Britney Spears or have a mental illness or not, the dynamic changes once you are actually married. And he says that she hit him 
once in the middle of the night, and there was there was some evidence of him out with a black eye and a bruise on his forearm. Um, that they would get in these explosive fights, and um, yeah, and and but then people were like, how was she cheating if she was never leaving the cheesecake factory foyer of her home, spinning around? Yeah, so maybe it was somebody around her, or maybe it wasn't, or maybe he he was a cheater and he's projecting on her. Um, I don't know, but the thing is. I don't think it's easy to be Britney Spears' husband. I don't think it's fun. I don't think it helped his career the way he thought it was going to. Um, yeah, he got to do a Randall Emmett film. But Randall Emmett, I think, hired him because then he was like, I remember Randall Emmett, um, Ran- Lala's ex, bragging to me like, oh, my God, I got uh, I got, I got, Sam, Britney's boyfriend, or, yeah, boyfriend at the time, um, in my next movie. And I said to him, um, if you do my movie, you got to come on my show with Britney. You got to come on, you know, Lala with Randall, give them Lala with Randall uh, podcast. Uh, we're going to get the first interview with Britney. Well, by the time he interviewed Sam, Lala and he had broken up and he interviewed Sam and it was less juicy than Bethany Frankel interviewing Raquel. Literally didn't say anything about Britney, nothing about her career, what was going forward, nothing about the conservatorship, just that he liked to work out and do curls and he's excited about being in this movie with like Mel Gibson or something. So, um, but no, I mean, I don't think he got to go to exciting dinners. I don't think he was on a yacht, you know, talking to Kris Jenner and getting her manager managerial advice or hanging out with Jeff Bezos and Lauren Sanchez. I don't think he was doing any cool stuff I think they I think she got in her little cheap outfits and spun around and then they'd go to the same Hawaii spot that they always went or the same Cabo spot that they always went and then the one time they were going to go to Joey's it was a full disaster and they had to leave and so then he would escape and just go to the gym by himself and maybe he woke up one day and was like you know what this is never going to get any better in fact it's getting worse and I I think I'll do better on my own and I think I will I want to work hard and have a career of my own and maybe I want to have a family I don't know so I, I'm not exact I'm not like a super hater of Sam and all of this unless more of it comes out but um all these conspiracy theories that it isn't really her and all this no I think it's her I think people's I think people's faces change with age and medication and having a hard life and I think people's teeth move and um I don't I don't think she's been replaced by like an alien or anything. All right, now let me tell you about the, another crazy story that came out that was very interesting. Michael Orr, who was the real life person for the inspiration of the movie The Blind Side. Just to remind you guys of what this movie was, it was I think it was first a book and then the book was sold to be a movie. And it was this rich couple named the, um, what were their names? The Tui family. And they had a daughter and a son. You remember the movie? They had a daughter and a son. And they like lived in Texas or something. Or I can't remember where, but they were Southern. And they both went to University of Mississippi. And they were, you know, uh, big donors of the school. And in the movie, Sandra Bullock won an Oscar for it. She plays the mother. She sees 
this um, boy at the school and she doesn't believe that he has a safe place to stay at night. So she's like, that's it. You're coming with us. And then she's like, why don't you just live here so that you can go to this school, this like Christian private school. We'll get you the tutor, Kathy Bates. Now you're a really good football player. You don't know how to play. I'm going to teach you how to play. In the movie, she teaches him how to play. And then he has to decide between the schools and he chooses Mississippi and there you go, and he becomes a professional football player. But in the past, we kind of heard some rumblings that they weren't that close or something. So this came out that he is now coming forward and saying um, that he signed these papers after he turned 18, and he thought they were adoption papers because in the movie, they're like, you're part of the family. We want to adopt you. In fact, they it was actually conservatorship, just like Brittany, um, papers. And they said... But they said, sign this because you're over 18. So it's like it's like an adoption. But but you can adopt adults. It does not have to be a conservatorship. You absolutely can adult, adopt an adult. And so then you would say, our three kids, they're all three equal, are going to split, um, you know, their inheritance together, whatever. You know, whether you adopt the kid at 10 or 22 or whatever. So that's fishy. Now he realizes, now he thinks... That was so that he really got not. He goes, I got nothing from the movie that made over $350 million. They said, no, each kid in our family, him included, got 100000 We each got $100,000 for giving our life story to the movie. We never received any more movie. The two, we never received, the twoies are saying, any more money from that movie either. But then the the other side of that saying was like, yeah, you didn't care because you just sold your business for $200 million. So you didn't care about trying to get back end or whatever of your life story. And you manipulated the life story. He didn't like the way he was portrayed. He was always playing football. He didn't like that he was portrayed like he didn't know how to read or write because he did at that time. You know, he did have a, a, a tough childhood and a broken home type of a situation, but that he didn't appreciate. So now he's exposing all this and the little brother, Sean, he went on a podcast and said that um, at one time previously, recently, he tried to extort $15 million from the parents or he was going to expose the truth about them and these adoptions, these adoption papers. I mean, conservative conservatorship papers. Um, we, I don't know if we know if that is true or not. So that's the general of it. The general, and I know I don't have every detail perfect because it's a case. But I do believe two things can be true at the same time. They they gave their their story to someone who wrote the book who then became the movie. And this was the deal that their lawyers gave them. A lot of people do this and they don't think, well, should we go back? What if this becomes... What if Sandra Bullock plays me? What if, I mean, they probably didn't know that. They, it could have been a Lifetime movie that was a flop. They don't, I don't think they knew what it was going to be when they signed these papers. Um, so I don't think they, perp it's not like they made a hundred million off the movie and, and Michael didn't. Um, I do feel that, yeah, there was probably an element of, you know, oh, well, it, you know, I didn't ask to be portrayed like this, like, you know, amazing mother. I just told them my story and then they wrote it. And then Hollywood knew 
what would make the story more compelling. And the story was compelling. And this was like 15 years ago. The world was different. And I think people loved seeing it. They lo- they It made them feel good. Um, I think white people loved seeing it and thinking, see, you know, we are so amazing. And and so it's giving everyone like a real ick factor. And they started to come after Sandra Bullock, the internet, saying like she should give back her Oscar. She has said, said I'm really horrified. I didn't really understand this. I want to know Michael's truth. Meanwhile, poor Sandra Bullock in the same week lost her partner of like I think they've been together like seven years. He was a very good-looking photographer, and he got ALS, and he died just like a week or two ago. And then she has to deal with this. So everyone just leave Sandra Bullock alone. She got the role. She played the role great. I just think it's one of those things that now if you watch it, you're going to kind of see it through different eyes. Um, I hope whatever he feels he deserves, he gets. I think what's really sad is that he said, I just... I thought they really wanted me as a family member, and they really didn't. Their side is we've tried to get together with them often, and he has blown us off, which even biological children will do that to their parents as they get older. They don't want to come home for Christmas. They don't call you back. So um, I do kind of feel for them in that respect. And, I mean, they made their money not off this movie. They're rich because of his businesses, the dad. So, um, but they did go on Below Deck and they came off off like they like everybody that goes on Below Deck, they come off awful. You know, not liking the food, talking about chocolate ice cream or something. Um, there's a question about the movie and he and the dad, you know, answers it. I don't know why they did that. So you know, people are digging that up, going, mm, they are kind of dicks. I mean, I I have a I have a real friend who has sons who were on a football team and it was a very mixed school. She is white and there was uh, several football players that became close to her sons that she has really taken in. They lived at her home. She supported them, helped them in college, helped them get in college. They're very very close, but she never officially adopted them. She was always friendly with her mothers. It was like a connection that she had that was like, come to my house. I have a whole special laundry section for just the football players. And I, he can have his own room and he can study and I can help them with it. The... So there are people like that, that are really genuine, wealthy people that really go above and beyond to help people and treat them like a son. And it really is a genuine thing. And so I'm not totally sure that these people weren't totally genuine about it, is what I'm saying. It could have been a little bit, like I said, two things to be true at the same time. So I just hope that everybody gets what what they feel they're asking for in this. And if there is some type of um, money that maybe he can get because he didn't have proper representation from the production, maybe Bethany Frankel... I, Bethany Frankel, her next interview, well, I would like to have Michael Orr as my next interview, but if you don't want to go to me and um, you're willing to hang up Bethany's neon light in your house, Michael, I'm sure um, she will try to come, will try to represent you somehow and get you your money. Um, Tori Spelling, you guys, Tori Spelling, what is going on? 
separated from the husband. She has the five kids. Her mom lives in a beautiful penthouse in Century City. Her best friend is Josh Flagg. He has made it clear that he offered his home, his $9 million home, to Tori Spelling. And she stayed a few days, but then she left. And he was like, why are you leaving? You can stay there. I'm in Europe. Like, you can stay there. She chose not to, and she then got an RV and was staying at, like, a a very nice campsite near Santa Barbara. It's very nice with her kids. Somehow the paparazzi happened to find her, took a bunch of photos. Everyone's like, my God, why is she so broke? Um, Why won't the mom help her? Where is Josh Flagg? Josh Flagg was like, I don't know why she's at a campground. Other people are like, maybe she's just camping. People do that. People go to campgrounds and just actually have fun and camp. And so, I mean, we went we went camping once as kids, only once. My dad, when he moved to California, he came from New York. He really wanted to, to camp. And so we had some swimming, my brothers, and we rented a camp, a camper, my parents. I was only one years old, but I've heard the story many a time. And they found a campsite in San Diego. But first, when they pick up the camper, it was like half the size it was supposed to be. But this is a million years ago. And so you're like, I guess we'll take it. They get there, and my mom said it was absolutely a disaster. It was way too small. I was one years old. I was sick. I was throwing up, but I had these curl, curly hair. So my mom said all the throw up was in your hair. Everybody was sick. Everybody was miserable. Um, we were having an awful time. No one was sleeping well. The boys did horrible in their swim meet. And my mom took me to the, the showers in the campground to wash the disgusting throw up out of my hair. And this little girl looks up at my mom, and she goes, how long has your daddy been out of work? And my mom said, our daddy's not out of work. We're on vacation. What the hell is this? She's like, oh, my God, it was like the grapes of wrath. So some people go on these things for fun. Other people, I don't know. This is a million years ago. This is a story that's been passed down. Don't hold against me. My mother is dead and can't defend herself. But this is a story that you told. And then when we left, my dad said, after the horrible trip, as they were driving from San Diego back to L.A., my dad said, I guess I should have taken that two-bedroom condo in Vacation Village in San Diego that my boss offered me. But I just thought it would be fun if we tried out camping. We've never went camping since. My mom was so pissed. Anyway, maybe Tori, being that she grew up in a very wealthy home, maybe it was her dream to do camping with her five kids like it was my dad's dream to do camping with his five kids, okay? Doesn't always work out for everybody. The other thing was she said, there's mold in my house. I don't know if she owns the house or rents the house, but like I said, I would think if there was a mold issue, they would be paying for other accommodations, whether it's an Airbnb, which then she said, I tried to get an Airbnb, and this horrible realtor was like mocking the fact that I was asking for this Airbnb. So did she go to this RV? Did she get this RV and have these paparazzi take photos of her so that people would feel sorry for her and or Dean would feel sorry for her, or her mom would feel sorry for her, or we would feel sorry for her, or is she building a case to sue whoever is responsible for the mold in her house? Because now she's in the hospital saying, I've been here for four days. So is she here because of mold poisoning? And mold is a serious thing. So I don't really know what's happening, but this is a girl who definitely knew how to do the paparazzi game and always made sure she was photographed. There was a time when we didn't know if she was getting divorced from Dean or not, and she showed up, like I said, walking out of a an attorney's office with big with a yellow pad with big writing on it, like, you know, divorce, child support. So 
I don't know. I don't know what she's doing. I hope she's not sick, and I hope that her kids are in a safe place and starting school. Meanwhile, Natalie Portman reunites with her cheating husband. It's found out that he was cheating, but she's back with him. A lot of the comments are, remember, he cheated with you when you were on Black Swan, and he was the director, and he had another wife. So the whole cheating circle thing does happen. Meanwhile, Trish Cyrus, Miley's mom, got married to this boyfriend, and Miley was the maid of honor, but her brother and sister went to Walmart instead. So not everybody likes the stepdad. I'm guessing that's what it is. Okay, meanwhile, little update on Lisa and Lenny. Okay, so Lenny did had a divorce settlement. Now he's rescinding it. Lisa says he is doing this to just financially destroy her, um, that he's attempting to bankrupt her. He filed, Lenny filed an emergency petition to rescind the settlement that he and Lisa previously agreed to. This is so weird because he's already engaged to his 27-year-old girlfriend. He's 57. Um, and he wants the settlement to stay confidential, but he's rescinding it. He's, um, they believe that he's getting her to try to, to lowball her to sign something that will basically bankrupt her is what she's saying. So he's looking for um, a Florida contingency lawyer to help protect me, Lisa is and my children from this relentless legal and PR smear campaign. She came forward. And according to a report from All About the Truth on Instagram, Lenny's new fiance joined OnlyFans. I find this interesting because Spencer Pratt said that she already had an OnlyFans. Maybe he was wrong, but his question was, does she quit OnlyFans now that she's engaged? They're saying she recently joined it. She's very attractive. And her profile on her OnlyFans says 100% natural. Well, I saw old photos of her, and I don't believe she is 100% natural. But she is very attractive. How she got there, I don't know. Who cares? She's very attractive. Um, and she said, I'm proud to be with a man who supports his fiance having her own successful career, her own entrepreneurial goals, and academic pursuits. So... I mean, I say make your money because this is probably isn't going to last. And who knows if you'll ever get married? Who knows? But um, there you go. And then she said, one day, Katrina, Katharina said, one day I will be pleased to teach my future daughters to be like their mother and make their own choice in relationships as financially stable businesswomen and join OnlyFans. So poor Lisa. And I don't know why he's rescinding the money. You think he'd want to be done, but maybe now he realizes if I marry this chick and pay Lisa this much, I'm going to have to do so many boob jobs. It's going to be a lot. Meanwhile, Kyle is on a yacht with her uh, four daughters and Mauricio, Kyle of Real House of Beverly Hills. We all saw the music video. I'm going to make you love me. And they were eating each, they were feeding each other fruit in the video, she and Kyle, Kyle plays her um, love interest in it, and she um, does the splits. She does the lippity splits. I said in the comments, I said, next, she's going to do a tight set of lickety splits, and someone said, no, you should call them lippity split splits. <laughs> she does the splits. It's really cheesy. They get really close to kissing, but they don't kiss, and Morgan's carrying boxes that have nothing in it. I don't know where the prop master was, but you know, we are on strike, so I guess they're on strike too. Anyway, um, I, I don't even know what I was getting with this with Kyle, but 
we don't know if she is with this Morgan or not, but everything I said has been proven to be true. She does have a financial interest in Morgan's career. She's doing a documentary with Morgan that she's producing, and she is in her music video. So I, I maybe maybe they weren't really lesbians. I don't know. I don't care. I feel like she copied everything that she, that the, the two little Oppenheimer twins should be pissed that she copied everything they did because now the Oppenheimer twins, the tiny twins, they had Selling Sunset. Now her husband has Buying Beverly Hills. Chriselle left the main guy to be with a tattooed lesbian G-Flip. She left the main realtor, Mauricio, to be with a tattooed lesbian, Morgan. So I feel like, again, a lot of people are just sitting home watching other people's reality shows and then stealing their storylines. It's like, what the hell? Um, meanwhile, Megan Markle, according to page six, in addition to her falling out with her father and her half-sister, Meghan Markle has reportedly cut ties with multiple longtime friends, including childhood BFF Niaki, I can't pronounce, Niaki Preeti, Canadian socialite Jessica Mulroney. Well, we remember that story. That girl kind of got in trouble for some Instagram going back and forth with someone else. And royal wedding guest David and Victoria Beckham. We know why. Nobody really knows why. The main reason is... They got some stink on them. They're not popular. And these people weren't really their friends. And they're not, they really didn't enjoy them or find them interesting. And they probably blew them off. And that's probably why she's not friends with them. Meanwhile, she was wearing this like sticker, this, what's it called? It was like a new calm sticker um, on the inside of her wrist. And she made sure she was photographed, like pulling her hair back. And so a lot of people speculated, does she have a part in this company? It's a non-FDA approved, like, you know, one of those like, whatever these patches that a lot of people are doing or is this to is she going to launch like a wellness line i don't know meanwhile um uh prince harry just debuted like a lot thicker darker hair good for him in a new headshot that is on a website um for mental health so he's you know going being a part of that which is good and Part of his mental health was, I think, getting more hair. I think that's going to help him perk up a little. So good for him. Oh, let me talk about Sister Wives. It aired last night and not a lot happened. As you know, I'll be watching this. Sister Wives, we've got Cody, Christine, wife number three, has left and she is glowing and giddy. As we see this, she is single and living in Salt Lake City and could not be happier to be away from Flagstaff and Coyote Pass. Now we know she's engaged and she's very happy. Meanwhile, Janelle is finally got the trailer off Coyote Pass and is living in an apartment in Flagstaff. And she is still delusional thinking that she's going to build her house on this land. What we realized about this horrible land that they bought is that the owner is carrying the, the the loan for two years. So if they don't come up with the money in two years, um, well, I don't know what's going to happen. But they can't build until they come up with the money. So the, I think, I don't know where they are with this land, but I'm sure they're just going to end up giving it back or trying to sell it or whatever. It's never happening. Nobody wants to be on it. Poor Mary. Nobody wants to spend any time with her. It's just so obvious. Like, um, Cody's just like, I don't know why she's still here. We know now that she is also gone. So we know in real life today that 
the only woman he has left is Robin. But I am so excited to, to see each woman this season tell him to fuck off. Starting with Janelle, she does say fuck you. So I am actually really excited to see that and um, and watch this and and watch everybody realize what a dick he is. But some of the things that Robin said, well, she's always crying and she's like, this isn't what I signed up for. No, no tears coming. I thought I was going to be sitting on my porch with my sister wives watching our kids and our grandkids play. And I do think that's what she thought. And I think that's what they thought when they bought the Coyote Pass. And then they said, well, a lot happened with um, our family once Robin came. And Robin's like, well, I didn't even know there was a problem. And they're like, yeah, well, we pretended like we were this happy family. And I think Robin's like, I think you sold me on the fact that you were like this happy, functioning family. And I I wanted him to have a sexual relationship with each wife. I didn't want to be the only one to have to fuck him. I didn't want the only one be the only one that he was going to spend the night in my house every night. I, I really wanted this for my kids. She was a divorced mom. I really wanted to have... Three other wives carry the burden of dealing with this dickhead and be on TV. That's what I wanted. I didn't want to be the queen bee. And then it was kind of funny because Mary was saying, well, he used to love my um, turkey that I'd make him for Thanksgiving. But then he liked Robin's turkey. And then she started to laugh and she was like, you know, he signed up to have to like both turkeys. But he really only likes Robin's turkey now. Obviously, her turkey being a you know, a reference to something else. But I actually thought, Mary, that was pretty funny. Um, so Cody is like, I'm tender and I just want to hate Christine. I want to hate Christine more. I don't want to like her. And God, nobody seems to care that I had COVID. I had COVID and I was sick and I couldn't sleep. And it was like a knife in my gut. I mean, and, and there, Christine's laughing because he was such a COVID freak. And then he's the one who got it. Like, Christine never got COVID. I don't know that Janelle ever got COVID. Like, he's the one who got COVID, and he's still making them test. And they're like, are you kidding me? I have to still test? To Ugh. Anyway, let me talk about And Just Like That real quick, too. And Just Like That, I think there's only one episode left, you guys. And a lot of you have fallen off and are refusing to watch it. But I will tell you some of the stuff that was sort of juicy. As you know, I've ended up liking Shay Diaz. Shay Diaz. I don't know why. She's the non-binary stand-up comic who was killing it a year ago. She had a hit podcast. She had a pilot with Tony Danza playing her dad. She bought a beautiful apartment in New York. Now the pilot went away. The podcast, she can't get another podcast because they, the writers let us know podcasting is dead. And by the way, they started their own podcast. The writers of the show now have their own podcast. So I'm like, really? Um, so she has to work at this vet place with this other woman who I believe is a trans woman as well. Meanwhile, the vet is like an old crotchety white guy that doesn't know how to change different pronouns. And he's calling Shay a she. And she's like, it's they. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, listen. I just don't believe that if you had a, if if it was going to be difficult for you, you might be like, mm, do you mind or do I not? Anyway, that part's unbelievable. So meanwhile, Shay is finally getting back into stand-up. So she's going to do like a shitty six-minute set for no money. And Carrie is being a real bitch. 
Carrie's like, um, I'm having a party to say goodbye to my apartment because I bought a new apartment with Aiden. And I am inviting not only Shay Diaz, your ex, Miranda, but also your ex-husband, um, Steve. And Steve is like, hey, I was walking down the street in Coney Island. And I was like, you know what? This place is just calling to me. I'm going to make it really special. It's going to be a special restaurant in Coney Island, like right on the boardwalk. And I'm like, this is an awful idea, Steve. They just said it took them three trains to get there. And who's going to be eating there or how good the clams are or whatever when it's Coney Island? You're just you're just going to have tourists going to be like, I just want a hot dog. Like, this isn't where you, like, make a great restaurant. Anyway, she's like, well, they're my friends too. Too bad, Miranda. So then Miranda's like, I don't really think I want to come. And she's like, well, you're coming. So she's like, you're right. I am going to come. And I'm going to surprise Shay. I'm going to sit in the back and watch her stand up act. And this I did think was juicy. So Shay gets up there and she starts talking about how she was dating a woman who was married, who doesn't know how to have sex and is neurotic and is too into her wife, her ex-husband and her kid and what a bummer it was for Shay. And then Miranda gets up and leaves in the middle of the act in which Carrie doesn't follow her out or give a shit. And then Shay follows her out and she's like, I'm sorry, that's what we do. We talk about our lives. She's like, well, you didn't talk about all your problems. She's like, well, I was going to if you stayed for the whole act. I was going to talk about what a piece of shit I was or whatever. And so anyway, people ask, what did I think? I think that was very realistic. I think stand-ups do talk about themselves. They talk about their relationships. I do. They talk about people in their lives. And sometimes it is stressful. And sometimes I have people coming to the show when I do stand-up. And I'm like, and I purposely leave out a joke Maybe that's not necessarily about them, but I think might trigger them about something, you know, um, like if I talk about like somebody killing their husbands and I have a friend who's actually a widow and I know she's going to come to the show that night, um, sometimes I, I cut it out or all of a sudden I'm getting to it and I'm like, oh, fuck. And then I get out of my head knowing that they're there. So that part I thought they kind of nailed, but a lot of people were like, it wasn't funny. It wasn't. I still hate her done um and then at the very end Aiden is bawling because his youngest son got drunk got in a horrible car accident broke his leg and he doesn't even have a driver's license so he's really on a path of like self-destruction and fucking up and he's crying to Carrie and Carrie's never been a mother and this is where it's very hard to date somebody um who has kids when you don't and you're like, wow. And he's feeling really guilty that he has been there for his youngest kid. And he's been just, you know, in la la land with Carrie. And so that I thought, I thought those two things were really realistic. Meanwhile, Anthony, we have to walk down the path of if he's ever going to be a bottom or not, because his new boyfriend would like to be a top. So that was, that was some, conversation that a lot of girls have had with their gay best friends so this is a show for gays and girls so i didn't i didn't hate it um thought it was interesting have some interesting thoughts about it the one thing that i think is kind of funny and tell me if uh, girls if this is since this is towards the end of the show and dirty get the kids away um i not until i watched oh uh, what was it it was the movie wait it was 
it was either the L word or something where they they it was L word is about lesbians, but it was it was some gay TV show I saw like ten years ago, and two gay guys were having sex, and they were facing each other, and that was the first time I realized that gay guys <laughs> could face each other having sex. I always thought they had to be behind just because it was a butthole. But I was like, that's so dumb of me because like, it's not like a butthole is that far from a vagina. Anyway, I've expressed this to a few other girls and they're like, oh my God, I was the same. I thought the same thing. So I guess maybe the writers of, and just like that were like, look, too many girls think this. We're going to let them really know what this is like. <laughs> and they let us know. And it bleeds on to next, no pun intended with that word, bleeds on to the next episode, um, which is the finale. And he's going to lose his, you know, butt virginity. Speaking of buttholes, this also happened over the last week. Taryn Manning, uh, she posted this video of herself I think on something, okay, my opinion, in her own car, she posted it. First when it got sent to me, I thought she sent it to a friend and then they posted it, but she posted it. And Taryn Manning has been an actress. She's an orange and new black. And I mean, it was sad because she was out of it. She has since commented saying like, I should have never posted it. I should have kept it between friends and family. But I'm like, I don't think your friends and family would have wanted to hear this. Basically, she was like, I just want to talk to you about the fact that I've been seeing this man. He's a married man, and he likes me to lick his butthole. And I don't really mind doing it, so I do it every night. Well, maybe not every night, like every three or four nights. And his wife is like, I'm going to get a restraining order on you. And I'm like, you're going to get a restraining on me. Your man came to me to have me lick his butthole. Because you wouldn't do it. I'll have you in jail so fast, your head would spin. And this gentleman, he told me he loved me. I loved him so much. I have a bunch of cash. We're driving down to Newport. And he, I was going to buy him a boat. And, you know, because I'm like, we get along. We both like kinky stuff. Like me licking his butthole. And then he was like fingering me. And then we were like driving. And this goes out there. But then her statement that made me laugh was that she was like, I really should have kept this between my friends and family and I. I really didn't. I'm like, no, again, we did not need, I don't think your friends need to know what kinky shit you do. But um, hopefully she's going to be okay. And whoever she dates next knows what they can ask for. And he who asks will receive. Um, Real Housewives of New York happened and it was Aaron's 10th wedding anniversary party. And I do love seeing them shop for diamonds and outfits, and they look very glamorous. And Jenna Lyons, who is the lesbian, she tried on a bunch of clothes. And I will say the show is, it's like, I like seeing the girls and everything. It's just like not, it's, it's just not a lot is going on. There isn't like a lot of points to like dissect and discuss on my show or on groups or anything like there aren't moments where like I would be mad if this person said this to me there just isn't a lot of that and so Bryn is really trying hard she's the pretty single girl and she goes to the party 
And she rips on the fact that Aaron has sponsors at her party. It's like sponsored by these people. I don't know if they were the liquor company or the the candle company, but I think that's a great idea. If your show, if you're um if you were gonna have a big fancy party and it's gonna be sponsored on a I mean it's gonna be aired on a Bravo show, go and make sure that you get that sponsored. Why not? I don't know if they were just personal friends paying. So it was weird. This is why I would not I do think vow renewals are the kiss of death for reality housewife shows. I also think they're just weird in general. And I don't think I've, I've never been invited to one ever. I think they only exist on reality TV. Um, please let me know if you've ever gone to like a really elaborate vow renewal party for someone who's been married 5, 10, 20 years. I just think that if I ever had one, I just think all my guests would be like fucking talking behind my back being like, really? We're supposed to be like celebrating this perfect love. I mean, this couple does seem really madly in love and it gives her a big diamond. They have all these people give speeches, which I think was obnoxious. And I don't blame the girls for being annoyed. That is way too long and way too boring. She didn't have enough food, which sucks. And um, she's showing like a lot of side tit, which I like. She looked good. And, um, and so the one girl, Bryn, she's like, flirting with him she's like you should date me to the husband and he's not worried they're in love I don't think she's gonna care it felt like she was trying really hard to get us to like spark a conversation like how dare Bryn flirt with Aaron's husband of 10 years because we all know it was like just for the cameras and that's kind of what I I think about the show a little bit like I like visually watching it because they're all pretty and stylish but their interpersonal relationships are just not that juicy or intriguing yet. Maybe it gets better. I don't know. But Jenna, I'm going to work on my Jenna impression because she, oh, one thing I noticed is Jenna Lyons. So she has an eyelash line because she had a disease that caused her not to have, she cannot have eyelashes. She So she came up with eyelash line and they spent a lot of time. It was an excellent commercial for this these eyelashes with her friend and they show how they work so well, the girl's wearing them, but they do it within like a conversation and then they show how it lives in this little box. And so here's my question with Bethany. Did they have the Bethany clause? Does does Bravo ask that she hire, did, did they get a forensic accountant Bravo and say, Jenna Lyons, how many eyelashes have you sold since the show started airing? Oh, you sold $100,000 worth? Well, write us a check for fifteen grand. I don't believe that's true. What I do believe is true is that Jenna worked out a deal with Bravo to have it featured on the show, like she paid a fee. I think that's what Bethany would do to show all her skinny girl stuff. If somehow it gets in fine, but if you really want to guarantee that at least one time it gets featured in a really good way, I think you, that you negotiate that. I don't think one thing that Bethany said about with Raquel is that because of that, she believes that Bravo is taking percentage fees from Schwartz and Sandy's from Vanderpump, their restaurant. I just don't believe that at the end of the day, every month, they have to write a check to Bravo on how many margaritas or whatever they sold. That just doesn't, financially, legally, contractually, I just don't believe that's true. Now, 
but like I said, you you could negotiate a fee that you're like, hey, give me less in my paycheck if I could just have my thing featured once. When I did The Bachelorette, I wanted them to say Heather McDonald of Juicy Scoop Podcast. They said, we don't do that. We'll say you're a comedian um, and we'll pay you whatever they're going to pay me, like 10 grand or something. They said, if you want to work for, if you want to cut it in half, then we'll say Heather McDonald from the Juicy Scoop podcast. And I said, yes, I would. To me, that is worth it to have you say that. Did anyone bother to listen to the show more than, I don't know, but that was the decision I made. So that's what I think happens when something seems like it feels like a real commercial and it's someone's product, like hardcore. Um, but I, I have no guarantee of knowing that. I only know what's what deals I've been presented with. All right, you guys. Thank you so much for everyone who came to my show. Go to heathermcdonald.net so you get a really great Patreon about my trip and so much more. Um, you're going to get all the details of everything there. And then also... End of September, Chris and I are going to do live Juicy Scoops in San Francisco and Sacramento. Those are the next two shows. My show in November at um, in Las Vegas is sold out. My live Juicy Scoop, November 4th, is sold out. But the two in September in Sacramento and San Francisco are not sold out yet. Please come. It's always fresh and different. It's with your favorite Chris Frangiola. It will be a blast. I'm always changing that show up. Um, so I don't even know what it'll be. So you will love it. Thank you so much.